Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Have a seat if you can. Man, we're so glad that y'all are here. Well, you guys did great. Come on, y'all woke up. Listen. Listen, some of y'all were looking at that 7 o'clock and going, but it feels like 6. Come on. You did good. You did good. Well, I'm glad that you're here. You know, I'm sure that next service will be uh, pretty full. And, uh, and uh, you guys got the award. Y'all won. Um, listen, I'm just so glad that you're here for all of those watching online. Uh, I just want to know you to know that we just believe that we're in a special season in our church, we believe that God is moving, and we are in a new series. In, we're going through First Thessalonians. We are in a new series, and we're, we're just looking and dissecting Paul's letter, and really just, he's conditioning us, he's teaching us how to look toward the amazing day that is coming. And, and as believers, we need to understand that Jesus is coming again, that we don't lose hope of that. We don't feel like, oh, well, they've been talking about that forever, so it doesn't really matter, and it's probably never going to happen in our lifetime. It, we, we don't. The Bible says that no one knows. But when you live under the idea that Jesus could come back, it changes the game. We talked about last week that there's no sports that are played without a time clock. Because that clock produces uh, this um, urgency and it makes us see that, you know what, there is an end to the game. And for us, we don't know when the end is, but we're supposed to live differently. 1 Thessalonians, I'm hoping it stirs up your faith and does two things in you as we go through this. First, that it builds your expectancy, but second, that you are challenged. And I think when a, the believer lives with expectation, like, like there is this expectation, I'm looking forward, come on, anybody looking forward to their birthday? Anybody looking forward to Christmas? My kids are like, so when, for Christmas I want, I'm like, we just had Christmas, you cannot... There's like a six-month rule up in this house, and you cannot say, oh, I want for Christmas. We're going to wait a little while on that. Last Christmas still hurts. Come on. Does that make sense? But, but there is this idea that we should be expecting the day and, and, and excited about the day that God's going to fulfill the promise and that everything we believed in and believed for has happened. And so don't get dreary and don't just put one foot in front of the other that you forget that this is all for a purpose and this is all for a reason the second is we got to stay challenged in our faith i don't know anybody that that in their job in their marriage in their family with their order with their organization that if you don't stay a little bit challenged i never have seen where complacency has produced greatness I've never seen, no one's written a book about how awesome complacency has been. No one writes a movie about complacency. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, you don't, you don't watch these incredible stories um, 
about complacency because complacency never produces much of anything. As a body of Christ, we want to live with expectancy, looking toward that amazing day which Jesus will return and claim his people and his kingdom. Secondly, Paul's letter to us challenges all believers to answer the call of God on their life and to walk worthy. To walk worthy. In chapters 2 and 3, which we're going to talk about today, Paul lays out some important truths for for leaders in the church. And we believe, listen, that you are a leader. The Bible gives us clear precedent that every believer should step into a type of leadership. There is leadership on your life. Well, I, I don't know that. And maybe you've rejected that. Maybe you've compared um, uh, growth and leadership to those people that you know that are just naturally born leaders, type A, eight on the Enneagram, whatever. Like, like you're like, that's a leader because they talk first, they talk loud, and they talk all the time. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but there's this idea that in the Bible... We are all people who are influenced and have influence. And so you've got to know what you need to know so that you can impart that moment over the kitchen table, over coffee, over a walk, over a run, over a bike ride. And you can actually be this spiritual help, this leader in someone's life. And and the truth of the matter is we all carry that weight and responsibility as believers. The church was created to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Every organization needs leaders. Every organization, every nation, every sports team, every business, every school, every family, every army. And yes, even the church requires leadership. When a believer understands the amazing call of God on their life, instantly what happens is they move from a consumer of the gospel to a producer of the gospel. That is the idea of the church. Sure, we want people to get saved every Sunday. It's awesome. We do outreach so people get saved. But really, what we're trying to do is get see people get saved turned on to this idea that God has something that only they can do. You'll you'll talk to people I'll never talk to. You'll connect with people that, that I'll never connect with. The truth is, we don't believe that you have to quit your job and jump on church staff to be in the ministry. In fact, we want you to keep your job. Because there are places that you're going that maybe the church isn't allowed. There's places that you're going that, you know what, um, uh, no one wants to see a preacher walk in with a Bible. But they'll observe your life, your integrity, how you keep your desk, how you keep your order, what you do, how professional you are, how quickly you handle problems. And, and they'll know that you live with a different set of urgency And you live with a different set of challenge. And as people get close to you and observe you, they'll go, why are you different? Which will open up, come on, an opportunity for you to make Jesus known. When believers live with expectancy and challenge, there is a passionate fire inside of them. And and for some of you, maybe you've been to church so long that that fire is gone. 
Or it's a little flame. It's a little flicker. For some of those, maybe that fire was like on point at, from 16 to 25. But then you hit some adversity. And, and, and you were the first one to students and youth group or this or that. You, you, you got saved at a vacation Bible school. God did something in your life. But then adversity hit. There were some choices made. And that fire that was so huge in your life was now barely even flickering. And I want you to know that that is, all, that is a common story that we hear uh, in the church and with people. And I want you to know that if that's your sole condition today, you're in good news because God can relight the flame. God can relight the flame. That fire that burns within you, when it produces in your life, it spreads to other people. And as long as relationships are necessary... Leadership will be required. You cannot get rid of leadership as long as there is relationships. Okay? So, so let, let's talk about this. My assignment today is the amazing call. And I believe there's an amazing call of God on your life. Our key verse, and we're going to jump through two chapters today, so stay with me. Come on. You know, put, put, on, put, on, put on your, your, I'm ready to be a student today. Uh, but you can wrap everything up in First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. So I'm going to give you just two quick things for everybody uh, with ADD. I'm going to give you one verse and one, and then uh, we're going to move forward uh, so that you can take away one thing. All right. First Thessalonians 2, 12 says this. We exhort each one of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you unto his own kingdom and glory. That's the verse. Paul is writing and he's saying, listen, I'm going to exhort you, I want to encourage you, and I want to charge you, man, to stay at this thing and don't quit. Because what God's called you to is worthy, and it will, come on, listen, change your life. I'm going to wrap up everything I say today with this one thought. The amazing call means walk worthy. The amazing call of God on your life means walk worthy, live worthy, make decisions that act like God wants to use you and you are part of the incredible plan of God to move the kingdom of God forward and you're not on the bench. You're not overlooked. There isn't five ladies or five guys or six or whatever who are really playing the game and you're just a fan watching the team play and you've been reduced to a spectator. You're not a spectator. In fact, really what I consider every Sunday morning is more like a church staff meeting. That's how I really see it. Sure, I want to see people saved. and We do different sermon series and we break them down so that we, because we have an invite culture. And so there are some times that we're going to bring the, 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 the waves down really shallow so that people can come in if they've never heard. We actually have people now in our culture that don't know that Jesus and Christmas are connected. Easter is not about a bunny. I mean, like, like and, and, and that's okay. I'm not mad about that. I want to help that. But... But 70, 60% of our sermons is going to be a staff meeting of us saying, 
here we are. How do we live missional? How do we get ready for the week? How do we take care of what's broken inside of us while at the same time engaging other people to help them? This is how I believe the kingdom of God advances. Okay, so let's jump in to this. As we unpack the next two chapters, there are seven observations for us to walk worthy. Seven observations, and so we're going to read a little bit, and then I'm going to give you kind of an analysis of that. Read a little bit, give you an analysis. So let's jump right into this. Seven observations from chapter 2 and 3 uh, to walk worthy. Let's read the first part. First Thessalonians chapter 2. For you yourself know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. Okay? But... But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, in other words, this was common, we'd already talked about this, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of such conflict. Isn't it good to know that the conflict that we feel like the church is in, there has always been conflict? It is not because of personalities. No, I'm not dismissing that. I'm, there are some personalities that, you know, conflict just happens. But the conflict is that we fundamentally believe that we are people who are sinners. And the only way to get our help is for Jesus to come in and change our life, redeem our sin. That message will always have conflict. That message will all, there will always be a fight in that. And so the first observation that we make from this just couple of verses is that Paul tells us we got to believe it's worth it. You got to believe that the life group that you lead, you coming to church, you being involved, believe it's worth it. Like what you're doing is not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not just, well, I don't really know what's going to happen. You have to wonder that when Paul began his ministry, did he think it was going to be like this? There were times when I was 16 and 17 and I'd finally gotten some stuff right in my life that, that, that I thought, man, it would be great to be in the ministry. At 16 and 17, what I knew then and what I know now at 46 are completely different. Come on, somebody. Because all I saw at 16 and 17 was awesome people that smiled a lot, that were on stage, that were in the back, that were serving and helping. And, they, and here's the deal. I saw happy faces on Sunday. I didn't see the problems and the adversity that people had to overcome to come back. You know, I have to believe that Paul was like, and, and I don't know if you know about Paul's conversion moment. If not, let me just kind of give you a quick update. Uh, all of this can be found in Acts chapter 9, 1 through 19. We're not going to turn there for the sake of time. But, but it, this is just a synopsis of his story. But Paul was this b bad dude. And uh, he was actually sent to, to, to destroy the message of those who were preaching Jesus as Christ. And he had certificates. He was going to shut down churches. He was going to shut down meeting, meetings. There was uh, this stoning of Stephen that Paul was directly responsible for. And his job was to end this movement. 
on the Damascus Road, Paul gets a Jesus encounter. And uh, this dude melts. Changes real quick. Jesus begins to tell him, why are you persecuting my church? And, and, and he gets up from this moment and he is actually physically blind. The Bible says he's physically blind like he can't see. This encounter took such a toll on Paul. He, he goes to a place that God tells him to go. And Ananias comes and prays for him. He opens his eyes so he can finally see. And immediately he wants to be thrust into the ministry. I have to believe that Paul's idea of advancing the gospel, he wasn't thinking, I'm going to have a lot of hardship in this. I can't wait to get beat up. I can't wait to get be talked about. I can't wait to be having hard moments. I can't wait to be, like, I can't wait to show up and launch a church in three weeks and be run out of town. I can't wait to, like, but, but Paul is letting them know from the very beginning, that, like, it's worth it. Like even all of those conditions are, come on, worth it. I mean, so many people who get turned on to Jesus. And I love it because they're so passionate. And can I tell you, the church thrives when people are passionate about their faith. People who respond in worship, lift their hands, sit on the edge of their seats, take notes. You know, the house, we want it to be a passionate church rather than a passive church. We want a responsive body that engages, come on, in service. But with that said, I want every new or young believer to understand this. The amazing call on your life is a process. It is a process and you're going to have to walk worthy. A moment at the altar can do wonders, but it, the process still takes time in your life. And Paul tells the church the call of God is worth it. Sure, it may be hard. Sure, there may be setbacks. But it's not in vain. Listen, don't allow hard moments to minimize the investment that you've made. Don't allow hard moments, listen, to minimize the investment. It's worth it. It's worth it when you lead a life group and then somebody leaves. It's worth it to start a church even if there's a sharp disagreement. It's worth it to, 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 to deal with some problems and pressures and, and pain. Obedience to God is always, listen, worth it. Discouragement is around every corner. The amazing call of God, listen, is worth it. And the church cannot turn into grumpy, critical Christians who the main motto of their life is, I've been hurt. It's all, come on, listen, it's all worth it and we got to walk worthy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3. Hey, that was just a couple uh, verses. All right. Our... For our appeal does not spring up from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our heart. For we never came with words of flattery. Here's the second observation that Paul is teaching us as leaders. Is that courage is crucial. Courage is crucial. It's important that as we dive into these chapters that we understand that Paul was only there for a short time. 
Then a mob formed while Paul was preaching. But I find it interesting that Paul in the chapter 2 and 3 begins to talk about the past. He begins to bring up how it got started like they weren't there. And let me remind you. And let me remind you. Come on. And let me remind you. Most of us. And, and, and remember everything that Paul does is intentional. Paul is talking about the past because for most of us. Love is based on what have you done for me lately. And we disqualify sometimes people who've made a great investment in our life. Because they haven't done something recently. And Paul is laying out this idea that, that I need to teach you guys something. You are now fanning the flame of what my team put in you. And even though we've not been there, we still love you. Listen, it takes courage to lead. You can't just tell people what they want to hear. We have to take people back to the truth it's important for us to remember how we got here healthy relationships have context Paul isn't so focused on the future and what they're going to build that he dismisses the past you are sitting here because there was somebody a youth pastor, someone who drove a van, someone who picked you up, someone who spoke over you, someone who prophesied over you, someone who did. And I want to encourage you just in this moment to remember and to honor and to be grateful for the voices in your past that put you here. Because I don't know any relationship that is 100% all good. From parents... To pastors, to husband and wife. But that doesn't mean that there hasn't been a good seed, listen, invested in your life. It's important for us to remember how we got here. People in your past who helped you on your spiritual journey are still, listen, important. The amazing call of God on your life will always happen have help we got to praise God for leaders listen in the background there have been leaders in the background of your own life this is the family of God and sure this is where we locally connect and grow and serve but the church the big C as a whole listen there's been a lot of voices that have poured into me over time that were courageous enough to say it. The call is how the kingdom of God gets connected to your heart. And it ushers in voices and moments and conversations and opportunities. For you to take a next step toward what God has for you. I think the reason that Paul takes a moment to explain and remind everybody in Thessalonica. Is because he knew that adversity and distance can cause people to forget and forsake their God history. God is using the house. People are getting saved. People are experiencing freedom. People are, are making family and they're making friendships like family. We have actually had people come to our church and find their mate. 
We've seen healing in marriages. We've seen people heal in their soul. And it's good to remember how God, come on, has used the house, has used the pastoral staff, has used life group and ministries and be the one, which is a ministry. All of this God is using. But if we sometimes are so focused on our next step, we don't really remember all that God, listen, has done. It takes courage to retell the story because you're not sure how people will interpret it. Paul, it said he wasn't a people pleaser. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that he went out of his way to offend people. And that's not the challenge for you today. Okay? But he had sincerity, not flattery. Sincerity is different than flattery. He wanted what was right and he did what was right, and he let people think whatever they wanted. He didn't try to just control the narrative. Every leader here, courage is critical to walk worthy. And there, I would, I would even go as far as to say this. It will be hard for you to grow your own personal faith without adopting some courage that is given by the Holy Spirit. Okay, all right, First Thessalonians, come on, back to the verse, chapter 2, verse 5, and, and then we, we were kind of in the middle of 5, so this is 5b. As you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from you, from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves. Our, in other words, our own lives. Because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. For you are witnesses. And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you as believers. For you know that like a father with his children, we exhorted, okay, exhorted. We, I want this, this word exhorted means strongly urge. In other words, we strongly urged you. I don't know if you've been in this church long, but have you been strongly urged? Yes. Hallelujah. We're fulfilling our scripture. <laughs> you've been strongly urged. Look at this. Each one of you have been encouraged. In other words, hopefully, prayerfully, you've been encouraged. I mean, supported, given confidence, given hope for your season, okay? And you've been charged. What does charged mean? means that there's been a demand put on you. And we've entrusted responsibility to you. That's what charged means. We've entrusted something into your care. To walk worthy, to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. And we also thank God consistently for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a man, but as what really is the word of God, which is at work in, you, in believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Jesus Christ in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen. Here's that courage thought again. 
as they did from Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out, displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure, um, as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. Here's what all that says. Here's the observation. Paul says that character matters. Paul says that character matters. And if you're a leader, listen, we're going to break this down two ways. He talks about two big thoughts. He says character matters. And, and first, you've got to lead by example. And we're going to talk about that. And second, sensitivity is required. This is how we know we have character. Paul shows us how important examples is. There's an old uh, Indian pastor on the mission field who was asked about Christian life with those that he discipled. And here was his answer. Uh, there is much crooked walk by those who make good talk. As we look deeply into Paul's letter, we have to make the observation that character does matter. Who we are, what we say, how we do. And I love the fact that Paul doesn't fudge on his principles to land a convert or soften the message in order to avoid rejection. Come on. He is a leader. He is a leader. The amazing call is about selling out to the idea that now you are on team Jesus. And how we conduct our lives matters. We all have moments that we wish we could take back. Come on, can I get an amen? Yeah. Come on, listen. Online, put an emoji in you. I know. <laughs> listen. Conversations and moments that we got into the flesh. We shouldn't have said that. We shouldn't have acted that way. We, uh, <laughs> Come on, anybody have those? Uh, why did I say that? Yeah. Why did I text that? Why did I answer that? Why? Here's the thing, I love that we have a church that allows people to grow and we give people the benefit of the doubt because we know, we all know we're walking through this, come on, together. Paul shows us that those that answer the call are not givers, are not takers, they're givers. Listen, that's what he says. Like, I didn't take from you. I gave to you. I gave to you. For us as leaders, the gospel advances as we give to those. We want to be motivated to live worthy, to answer this amazing call from our lives. Paul says that it wasn't for personal gain. It wasn't for greed. I'm not motivated by revenge. I'm not, I'm not trying to be guilt, greedy. Listen. He even begins to talk about his own authority. And he says, even though I had the right to demand certain treatment, I, 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 never, I never stepped there. Our heart in this church is that we are able to hold the ladder as you climb up. 
We believe that what God has done in our life, we freely want to give to you through life groups and discipleship and training and whatever. And that doesn't mean that we don't all don't serve each other. That doesn't mean there isn't a mutual benefit to all that God is doing. But our heart as leaders on our team, and you can ask any one of our team members because we say it all the time, our heart is that we hold the ladder so you can, you can climb up. We want to use all of our pain to help you proceed. For us, success here is determined by the good things that happen in your life, not the good things that happen in our life. Because we believe that good things will come as we sow, not as we take. Come on, does that make sense? So here's what I'm saying to all of you leaders that are mentoring people like a side hustle, bringing people over to your house, speaking to them, talking to them, loving on them. Here's what I'm saying. You don't give as leverage in people's life. You just give. And they don't owe you anything. They don't owe you loyalty. They don't owe you anything. You're just giving because God gave to you and freely you have received. Come on, listen. Freely you give. But, but, but issues happen when we give with invisible context and we have ideas over what we've done and we have expectation, in, in, unspoken expectation. And I'm telling you, we just give, come on, to give. And we believe that God is a rewarder of those who give, not I helped you rake your leaves, now you need to help me. And, and a lot of times you don't know you're in a conditional relationship until they tell you all the things they've done for you. Come on. Sensitivity is required. I, I don't know if you, this popped out to you, but it's interesting how he used like a mom, like a dad, like a brother. In other words, and, and, and it's, it's funny how he said that because those are actually the attributes of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like a brother who will walk with you. But he's also like a mother who will nurture you. But he's also like a father who will challenge you. Paul says, I function in all three of these. And, they're, and, and so let's just talk about it. Paul was sensitive to the needs of those around him. There is a heart part of leadership. He had a different response for different moments. And, 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 and honestly, that's a challenge for all of us leaders to learn because you've got to learn which hat needs what. Do I need to put on my dad hat? Do I need to put on my mom hat, which is awkward? <laughs> or do I need to put on my brother hat? And those are things that we all balance but, but Paul gives us his observation that it's needed if we're going to move the church forward. Listen, sometimes you need a mom. Sometimes you need a dad. Sometimes you need a brother. Leaders have to be discerning on which one, listen, is needed. He says, like a mother, gentle and care. Listen, it doesn't say you always need a mother. It says there are moments you need a mother. Does that make sense? There are moments that you need someone to put their arms around you, love you, and tell you it's going to be okay, and to cry, and to be there, and to be present, and to understand, and to listen. But there are also times that you need a dad. 
And what does the dad encourage, challenge, equip, walk, pressure, entrust, accountability? Like, like, and, and, and you need a dad that says, all right, let's wake up, walk up and step up, baby. Come on. Hey, we, we're winning on this team. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, you need that. But then you also, Paul tells us, like a brother. In other words, like we're all walking this road and our goal is to imitate Jesus and and there is no hierarchy in that we are all doing that together so let's come on let's lock arms and let's all run toward Jesus together Paul shows us that we can be both doctrinally sound and personally compassionate Paul shows us that character matters if you're going to walk worthy is this good okay Let's go back to the verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person and not in heart, we endeavor more eagerly and with great desire to see your face because we want to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Some of y'all need to look at that because that's, it's been a long time since you've thought we're in a spiritual battle. Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord? But it's Jesus' coming. So we're all, we're all looking toward that day. Is it not for you? For you are our glory and our joy. Come on, there's that parent talk again. Okay? In other words, we're so excited for each of you. And that, that's how Katie and I feel. That's how our staff feels. Like we, we have moments in our staff where we're praying for you by name. Moments when we turn on worship music and we come in here and we begin to pray over your face, over your name, over what's going on in your life. And we feel like your win is our win. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer... And we were willing to be left behind in Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother and co-worker, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort, there it is again, for you in your faith, that no one would be moved by the afflictions. For you yourself knew that we were destined for this. And when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we would suffer afflictions just as it has come to pass, just as you know. For this reason, I could bear it no longer. I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you to believe that our labor was in vain. Here is the fourth observation. Is that spiritual attacks happen. They happen. And, 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 and if we're not careful, we will blame everything on personality and someone's background. But there are spiritual attacks happening. And Paul was aware that he was at moment hindered by the enemy. Hindered by Satan. Come on, does that make sense? And he was also concerned that the tempter would come and wipe out the deposit of the seed. Paul encourages the church, don't collapse under pressure. 
This amazing call means that there will be seasons that you have to endure hardships, pressure, and pain. Sometimes we get hurt by people. Sometimes we get hindered by Satan. Sometimes we are tempted by the traps of the enemy. And you've got to be aware as a believer that that is happening. There are spiritual battles that are happening all around us. We are in a spiritual battle. And sometimes we suffer momentary setbacks. Hardships, even defeats, should be expected because we are on the battleground. We're on the battleground. Paul was aware enough to know that the enemy was standing against him. And can I tell you, come on, let me bring this back to where you live. God is so excited that you are growing in your faith. Come on, as a man, you're stepping up and wanting to lead your family. Come on, as a woman, you're stepping into leadership. You're letting your voice be heard. You're healing from brokenness of the past. But if you think the enemy is just going to let you whistle toward victory and skip down, la, 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 you're, you're crazy. Have you ever bought and sold anything and felt like this is hard? Have you ever tried to move yourself out of one place of comfort into a new place and thought it, the transition was just, this is the easiest thing. Why don't I just do this all the time? It's hard. And what I need you to know is sometimes it's just life and I don't believe a devil is around every corner. But sometimes when, when that heaviness and that hindrance comes... You need to know, am I, am, I, am I in a spiritual warfare? Am I in a battle right now? And here's what I need you to see. Paul was hindered. You don't, you don't see him saying, and hey, we talked to the mountain and we told it to move and it moved. No, he was hindered. There are some times when... The enemy has a plan that God, remember, he works all things out. So God can take what the enemy tries to hinder and turn it around for our good. Does that make sense? And we got to know that sometimes we take the rock and we slay the giant. And sometimes we're in a, a place we never wanted to be. Writing a letter to who we wish we were with. Knowing that we've been buffered, but yet God is still moving. Come on, does this make sense? We have to make sure. And church, let me just say this. Let's not judge people. Because we don't have complete visibility of their life. I mean, it could have been very easy for some of the people. I don't know where Paula is. I don't know where he's going. I think he's in a hotel in Athens. I don't know. Oh, my God. He started this thing and then it ran out. Oh, my God. Such a way. Like, be, be very careful that you're not looking around people's life. Because you have no idea what's really going on. And you have to know, just like nobody completely knows what's going on in you, nobody completely knows what's going on in somebody else. And we want to be a church that rallies for people. Rallies for people. Listen, there is a spiritual warfare. Heaven and hell is real. Right and wrong is still applicable. God and Satan do exist. And there is a spiritual thing happening. We want you to walk worthy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us, 
and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and report that you always remembered us kindly and longed to see us and we longed to see you. For this reason, brothers, all of our distress and affliction has, affliction has been comforted about you through faith. For now we live. Listen to this. Okay, I want you to see this. Come on, dive deep. Now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before God? Here is the fifth observation is that doubt must be dealt with. I want you to see that Paul was pacing. Like Paul was like, what's going to happen with my children? Are they doing okay? Is the enemy doing? Oh, no, no. Why can't we go there? Oh, I'm so mad. I just, I started this. Yeah, come on. Let, all of those things that you deal with, with people that you love, your people, the people that you're connected with, Paul did too. In fact, Paul said, because we got the good news from Timothy, I can now live. <laughs> I have felt that. <laughs> I have felt that. And if you're a leader, you felt that. And can I just tell you this? The church is not a transactional, professional entity. It is deep in relationship. It loves hard. It loves deep. And it at times will be beautiful, and at the other times it will be messy. And you need to know that there are some people carrying the weight that you carry, praying for you at night, wanting to see you make it, wanting to see your kid come back to Jesus, wanting to see your marriage thrive, wanting to see you break through. And you're going to have to deal with your doubt as a leader. Paul carries heaviness and concerns for the church in Thessalonica. I, I, I love this because it says that Paul has moments where he's like, what's going to happen? Like he's just not a man of faith going, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to Okay, He's like, oh, real sweat. Church, it's easy to doubt when, you, when it doesn't look like it's going to work out. Maybe over the last year, you've come back to Christ. You've come back to church. And it's been harder than you imagined. And no one likes it when our comfort zones are interrupted. Come on. Sure, we might be able to endure minor irritations. A little pushback for a while. Minor setbacks from time to time. But when our plans and projects stop or seems unattainable, that is when fear and frustration kick into panic mode. Doubt leads us to worry. Worry leads us to anger. Anger leads us to blame. Philip Yancey said this, pain is the gift nobody wants. In fact, if I have one major lesson... With all of the young leaders and ministers that I have the ability to mentor. It's having them digest this idea. The pain is in fact worth it. Even though you feel like it's not. 
Come on, does this make sense? Disrupting our comfort zones is essential. And I want to tell you this. That's why at the end of every sermon we say, take a next step. Take a next step. Take a next step. And we don't want you to be annoyed at that. We don't want you to be like, listen, bro, if I want to take a next step, I would. But get off me. I, I, I want you to realize that the best thing that you can do for your life is take another step. The best thing that you can do for your family. The best thing that you can do for your mental health. The best thing that you can do is take another step. Don't live complacent. Don't, don't, don't wait until, until you feel ready. Come on, does that make sense? Take that step. Because many times being pushed out of our comfort zones is really what God has for us. And can I tell you that you don't ever want to say that being pushed out of your comfort zone is unfair. When really, it is good. All right. Look at this. I'm, I'm, na- I'm nailing this. <laughs> I hope you remember something. <laughs> I told my staff, I was like, I got seven points. They were like, seven. <laughs> I was like, thank you. I feel so motivated. Verse 10. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we see your face. And supply what is lacking to your faith. Here's what I want you to know. Sixth observation from Paul's letters. Is that prayer is necessary. Like there's some things that you just need to start praying about. There's some things that come on you need to turn on the worship music. You need to get your pace on. You need to come on you felt doubt. You felt heaviness and you felt whatever. You felt like man I'm not measuring up in this moment. Man I'm not doing so well. Hey man I'm, I'm, I'm not really winning in my. And there are some times that you just need to pray. Don't make me quote prophet MC Hammer. But sometimes listen. You got to pray just to make it today. <laughs> Paul prayed. And I love that we have a church that understands, listen, the power of prayer. Life group leaders, prayer is essential. Coaches, prayer is essential. Church staff, listen to me, all you church staff people. It's a danger to lead and not pray. You've got to have moments When you pray, Paul finds himself earnestly, day and night, earnestly. It doesn't say casually. It doesn't say eventually. It doesn't say, I'm going to make up a word right now. (laughs) Procrastinationally. (laughs) It felt right, Mitch. It felt right. Uh, Mitch, Mitch is my grammar guy. He helps me. We're making up words in this church. The idea is that it is, it, it is earnestly. What are you earnestly? Here, here, here's, here's a, here's a eye opener for you. Is there anything in your life that you are praying earnestly about? And if there isn't, I would challenge you. <laughs> To take a look around your life and your people and start praying. 
Paul finds himself earnestly. In other words, I'm burdened for the people under my care. I'm burdened for the people under my care. Many of you, listen, have no idea how the staff is burdened for you. If you're new to our church, or if you're just starting a relationship with Christ, you got to learn to pray. Every Tuesday night at 6.30, we're in here, and we're praying, and we believe the power of what happens on Sunday starts on Tuesday night. And if you want to engage and learn how to pray, and you want to begin to uh, develop that muscle, we want to help you. Okay. Back to the verse. Coming into the home. Come on. Number seven. Come on, Ben Young, come on up. Now, many of our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord increase you and abound in love for one another and for all. For one another and for all. As we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts. Come on. That God may establish your heart. Blameless in holiness. Blameless in holiness before our God and Father. At the coming of our Lord Jesus. With all of his saints. Here's number seven. We've been talking about seven observations. Here's the seventh. Transformation establishes you. Transformation establishes you. In this two chapters, we understand that what it takes to answer the call and to walk worthy means we all, listen, have to grow. We all have to grow. That's what Paul is saying is that I, I want you to increase. In other words, he didn't say I want you to maintain. Like I want you to increase. The goal isn't fire insurance. The goal isn't just the ticket to heaven. Come on, many believers have settled for a ticket on the bus rather than being someone that drives it and fills it up with people. May you increase abundant love for, for one another and for others that are outside, that look different, that act different. For spiritual transformation to happen in our own lives, we've got to mentally grow in wisdom. We've got to mentally grow in wisdom. Come on. That means there is no time when we're just zoning and not responsible for what we do, what we say, how we act. We're growing in wisdom. And if we, if we are, are fully... Uh, transparent most of the conflict that we've gotten in is because we said something not recognizing the moment that we were in and after it was revealed to us what was going on we thought dang it it's that we've got to mentally grow in wisdom we've got to emotionally grow in strength 
emotional that we've got to be strong that doesn't mean walled off and men don't cry that means that we emotionally can connect on an emotional level because my pain for you moves me into prayer come on does that make sense like there's this emotional thing where we can love like a mom and love like a dad and love like a brother and this idea that we got to get people healed and so the church will not thrive if everybody has walls Last is this, spiritually, we have to grow in purity. Purity, purity of motive, purity of eyesight, come on, purity, a heart that is pure, where, you know what, our motives are just and right, what we watch, where we're going, we hear things pure because we're putting in purity. Today, the amazing call means walk worthy. In our flesh and sin, none of us are worthy. But through Jesus, you can step into the amazing call of God on your life. To increase, to be about love, to lead people, to grow your capacity and care for others. And the church will always win in every city if we do this. It it will win in any city if we do this. Because this is the intangibles. It's not about the lights and the sound and how you feel in your seat. That's that's like 20%. Maybe 15. It's about this. Come on. There is a call that has gone out to the world. It's a call to the lost and to the broken and to the scared to the hurting and to the burden it's a call of redemption it's a call of salvation will you answer this amazing call thank you for listening to this week's podcast we would love to hear how this message impacted you feel free to let us know on the contact us tab of the house website we hope you have a great week